0: Before we get started in uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 20, which is the story. We read the whole chapter a couple weeks ago. It's the story of Naaman, the Syrian general, being healed of leprosy by the Word of God and him being obedient to it, dipping in the river seven times per instructions. Um, the end of this story where we're going to pick up today, which we read a couple weeks ago but didn't discuss it thoroughly, was where the servant of Elijah Gehazah, who is Elijah's the man of God in this story, and Gehazah... Uh, runs after Naaman who had brought all of this um money and you know, tribute if you will to give to the uh to Elijah for bringing the word of God and healing him and Elijah refused it Gehazel runs after him wants to get some of that money you know and uh gets some tells a little bit of a white lie gets the um gets the money comes back and then ends up getting the leprosy that was just cleansed from Naaman um this story also came up in the topic of healing that we've been covering on Wednesday nights for the last couple of weeks. We went through it briefly, but I just um, felt to come back to it today. Before we um, get into what we're here to discuss, I did want to give uh, a little bit of two disclaimers. One, I typically I have lots of uh, thoughts and ideas on the Word of God and how to live life in, within from that word of God. And I break them down into two categories. I break them down into concrete and loose. I can a lot of things I have found and applied and lived by and I can show you Definitively with the word or at least feels definitive to me Um, You're like in the typical response when I show you something that I would categorize as concrete the typical response from a lot of people is Wow, it's right there. How did we miss it? and the answer to that is sometimes you just Hearing how to apply that is the part you've missed. But it's just it's this really obvious truth in the written word of God right in front of you. They are very safe for me. I've spent the last six years as a um, charismatic preacher preaching in um, conservative towns. And so not saying any comment other than it's a lot easier to stay on very concrete subjects. No one has to trust me, I can just show you the word. And you see it for yourself. It's very good. Um, these looser subjects are ideas that uh, I would say I have found them in the Word. I've pondered them, meditated on them. The Lord has ministered to my heart. I've learned to even apply them in certain ways and seen the natural fruit that comes from it. Although showing you in the Word is a little bit looser. A lot of times it's stuff like this. We're gonna. So a lot of these Old Testament stories they're written in narrative form. They're not like a a Western idea that we would write down every little dot and line and and who was wearing the red shirt in the left corner who has nothing to do with the story and what time and what color slushy they were drinking. And and we get all the facts and all the details, and 90% of them don't matter, but we get them anyway. That's Western thinking. This Eastern ancient philosophy narrative form, they leave 98% of those details out so that it becomes this... um, mining field that you can mine out these nuggets these truths from god and learn to apply them by leaving out all the details you're less likely to think it's a circumstantial thing they leave out all these details there, it's vague it's these ideas are layered and layered in these narrative stories we pull them out they've been talking about them now for thousands of years and how to apply them um, what we were supposed to learn from them it's a big big topic so i love that gray area stuff It is a little scarier at times to share that um, from the pulpit because people, a lot of times you have people in the audience who don't trust you and they've been kind of taught to be a little suspicious of things. So I'm going to say that today is going to be a loose one. Today is going to be a loose one and you don't have to trust me. I'm going to ask you to just listen with an open hand, open heart, and then take it to the Lord and let him minister to you whether or not it is or is not applicable to your life. If it is applicable to your life or if it is a truth of His, then just start to ask God maybe, is this something that we need to go through and deal with God? Right? If you don't think it's a truth or applicable, then uh, hang on tight. You've got 45 minutes to go. <laughs> um, so the topic we're going to be covering is the desires of our heart ultimately produce a fruit, either good or bad. It's a, um, it doesn't seem like a far-out concept when I just say it like that, but when you get down to the, to the nuances of what that means for all of our lives, it's a little scary and encouraging all at the same time, right? Because we have more control over the desires in our hearts than, than we often want to admit. But what, we're gonna, what I'm going to propose today is that we don't have as much control over the outcome of those desires, meaning... You can control what's in there, but you can't control what it produces. Yeah? So we're going to cover that. Uh, if you know this story, you know that. Well, we've already said it. Naaman's going to get the leprosy. Um, so we're going to be covering, obviously, an aspect of this is sickness that can produce from desires in your heart. That being said, this is, I hope I only say this one time. I hope this is the disclaimer. We've been discussing healing prayer and sickness there are multiple forms of sickness there's spiritual afflictions natural afflictions there's a third blended category of natural afflictions with spiritual oppression involved there's there's a hodgepodge of things no one thing causes sickness no one thing seems to fix it this is something that i believe can begin to cause even sickness in our lives if not other things so when i'm talking don't think that all sickness that you've ever had or anything was necessarily born out of desires in your heart, although it could have been. Again, this is one of those things you've got to go back and talk to the Lord. Yeah? Just trying to build up anticipations. Everybody ready? Yes. All right. 2 Kings chapter 5, starting in verse 20. We've already read the first part, so you should know that very well. But Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from his chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. So Naaman said, please take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and handed them to two of his servants. And they carried them on ahead of him. When he came to the citadel, which is uh, the, the mountain, he, he, took them from their, he took it from their hand and stored them away in the house. Then he let the men go and they departed. Now he went in and stood before his master, Elisha, said to him, Where did you go, Gehazah? And he said, Your servant did not go anywhere. And then he said to him, Did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money uh, and to receive clothing, olive groves, vineyards, sheep, oxen, male, female servants? Therefore, leprosy of naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever and he went out from his presence leprous as white as snow now that's a tough one that was the first question we got on um, uh, the topic of healing when i said god doesn't give us sickness and crystal said yeah but what about that one <laughs> which is a good question legitimate question and I, it, it, it's very much like why shouldn't it pop in your head that's what we've been talking about we've been reading this story um, the Old Testament dance of whether or not God gives us sickness or not, is, is um, it gets a little, a little complicated. We, we kind of summed that up with the Romans quote, and it says that basically, in paraphrase, for those of you who follow God, the goodness of God, for those of you who turn away, run from Him, the wrath of God comes into your life, whether you like it or not. And so we're like, when we say God doesn't give us things, we're talking about as his children, as his people, as those who are going to be his children, his followers. We believe that. So what do we do with Gehazi here getting the leprosy? One, I would, um, on that particular topic, it's a little thin, but I would say, if you read real closely, it doesn't say, um, I'm angry, so God's going to give you leprosy. It just says, therefore, leprosy of Naaman will cling to you and your descendants. Almost as if it's a fruit of what he has done. Again, these are it's a little loose, but here we go, right? Uh, when you read this story, it's like Elijah um, is this focused man of God who wanders around and does all these things on behalf of the Lord. And his people who are following, they, they call them sons of the prophets. They're supposed to be uh, going with them, learning from them, gleaning from them. They do chores and things, and they go on behalf of them at times. Um, and, uh, and they're supposed to be their predecessors in life. Elijah and Elisha have what appears to be zero concern for money. Zero concern for natural resources and the things of this world. they got one thing on their mind. They're going to stand on the mountain and they're going to talk to God. And if God needs them to say something, they go say it. Gehazi seems a little more concerned with all the great and mighty riches that Naaman has brought to bestow upon them for them being these great men of God. So, I've, always, I've taken this as Gehazi, his heart began to go after the riches of Naaman. He wanted the riches of Naaman, he said, this man has been blessed by God, he's been touched by God, he's been healed from God from this sickness, um, yes, but he didn't care about that, he wanted his money, because they needed money, they needed resources, they needed um, things to make their life easier. He saw these other people around him. I'm going to insert that he saw people around him who had plenty of money. They had the the good food to eat. They had the good clothes to wear. They had uh, better shelters. They weren't doing everything with old tools they borrowed from somebody else by hand. They were living a, let's say, a more modern life at the time. And he wanted that. Now, he had felt called by God to be a servant of God and to follow this path of Elijah that he was supposed to be following. But his heart wasn't there. His heart was with the riches of Naaman because if he could just get a hold to the riches of Naaman, serving again, if I could just get that money from Naaman, then we could have both. We could have the good chips, the good food, the good clothes, and serve God. Easy. All we got to do is go get the riches. I believe in a very hidden manner, the message here is that you're... You, um, if you desire the riches of Naaman, you might also get the life of Naaman. Naaman was a man of war. He was a man of war who um, got this money because he was so good at conquering and pillaging and plundering and, and executing the wrath of his king on the surrounding countries, which was, by the way, the country that um, Gehazi was living in. That's who Naaman was warring with most of the time, right? So he's he's desiring the riches of what we would categorize as evil, right? And so if you desire these riches, you might get this life of Naaman. What does that look like for us? Well, that's pretty easy. Think about all the things that are around us that we desire that are, if we are really being honest with ourselves, not from God. It's not from God to um, even want more than we need. What do we need? Not a whole lot. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a poverty preacher. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe that we should all strive to be in poverty. But I do believe that we should strive to be um, content in life. We should be content with what God has given us, with the grace that He's given us to work and provide and be wise with our resources, our time, our attention, all the things we've been talking about lately. Be content with those things. But don't be enticed by the world. Because I think, especially nowadays, social media... Might be the world's worst thing that ever happened to us in regards to um, the desires of your heart getting a little off. Especially if you can desire things from people's lives and inadvertently get fruit from that life. Because guess what? Nobody puts the bad stuff on there. Well, most people don't. If they've got any followers at all, they don't put the bad stuff on there. They only put the good stuff. They got their whole room, their whole house might be a total. Chaotic, bug-infested, food on the floor mess, but they got one clean corner and they take a selfie in the corner, right? They tell everybody how much I I have counseled. I say, you what? I have counseled marriages that are falling apart, awful, on the verge of divorce, and I see them online talking about how much they love each other. Like you don't love each other at all. That's just social media lies, you know. And 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 I'm all about proclaiming. proclaiming truths in your life. Pro, you know, Proclaim God's truth over your life. Speak it as if it's the truth. I don't think that's the purpose of social media though. I don't think that's the intent of people's heart. I think people are creating a facade because people like to be accepted and desired and people like to, um, if they can't have a good life, they at least want to make people think they do. And here we are. Um, being told by Jesus to, to follow Him and to just give Him all of our concerns and cares and the desires of our heart and all these things. And, and, and we're hungering after things that it doesn't even take a rocket scientist to say, that's not God. That's not God. It's not God the way um, people act these days. I'm sorry, I'm just, uh, maybe I'm old school in a certain degree, but the way people dress, it's just downright inappropriate most of the time in public. The way people act, downright inappropriate. The way people talk, I mean, I, I, I can't even tell you. People talk so rough now, with such um, foul language that even after they find out I'm a preacher, they just don't even recognize that they drop the f bomb as a, like it's like a comma in their sentence. You know, they just they're, they're, society has gotten so far off in certain areas and then we, we but we look at these snapshots of the life. We hear we see these people who are so far off of God's grace and goodness and his peace and his joy and the things that would actually make us happy and we say they're so far from that. We say, yeah, but they got a nice house. Yeah, but they got a nice truck. Yeah, look at their wife. Look at their job. Look at their look at their whatever it is. But if you go behind the curtain of people's lives, You'll notice one thing really quickly if you counsel enough people in life. Life seems to be like a recipe for a dinner. It's like a a magic soup. There's all this stuff going in it and no one thing when it's done can really be distinguished from the other. It all blends together. Jesus gave us some parables I should have put up there about you can't take the leaven out of the lump. A little leaven leavens the whole lump, right? Beware of the Pharisees. Beware of Herod. Beware of the political system. Beware of the religious system. Beware of the leaven of those two. Beware of the leaven of social media. Pulling your desires away from what God has said. Do you know that all those people who have those um, social media lives that look so wonderful and great and they have the best husband ever, they would probably trade places with most of the people who don't have a social media following. Because they might actually be happy. It might actually be real. It might actually be a real thing that they can pursue and follow. And then, and, and I didn't really plan on talking about social media today. That's why I'm sorry. But um, it's still good. It's great. I believe it transfers to every area of life. I, I don't know that I have like a real home run hit today for you, but I believe it's very important. I believe it, a lot of us have been on this journey with, trying to get our uh, even our physical, natural diets right. Not because we want to be fit and healthy and look good on social media, just because we, I think a lot of us started to recognize that man, there's something going on with the food supply of America and we, got, we better get a little more serious or it's gonna, it's gonna get us all. Some of us have been on this journey, if you're not, no condemnation, right? But even in that, you start to eat healthy and feel a little better and things start to get a little better, you start to figure out all the things that are bothering you, but we still look at the people who eat whatever they want to eat and we think, wouldn't that be nice? Even though we're already figuring out that that thing was killing us and now this thing that God has let us in is, is helping us. But we still desire these other things. And out of those desires for that social media lifestyle we might be seeing or the diet plan that somebody has or we see people with these you know, nicer cars or nicer houses or nicer boats and lake houses we want all that, right? But do we see their checkbook at the end of the month? Because all that costs something. Eating the food that you want to eat with no conscious of what it might do for you costs something. Spending our lives on social media, oogling um, uh, over the lives of people that present themselves so very well costs you something. Yeah? Getting, uh, and if that doesn't work, are you the devil will just um, maybe just dangle some political opposition in front of you. Maybe a couple uh, political ideas you don't care for. Or maybe show you what ramifications that's taken and how it's going to ruin this great country that you're in. And If getting your heart to desire something doesn't work, then maybe it'll just get your heart to hate something. Yeah, one or the other. Here's why I think that this is all so important and can be so dangerous for us as Christians. Yeah, will put that one there. That's kind of fun. What if we don't understand the recipe of life is formed? What if our harmless desires produce a course of life that gets out of our control? What if desiring pieces of people's lives that are not what God has told us to pursue or follow or desire, what if that begins to plant seeds that will manifest and produce fruit in your life, whether you like it or not? Now, again... This is a loose concept. This is something I picked up on years ago. I have toyed with it on and off. I've never ever felt to share it. Didn't feel to share it this week, to be honest with you. This topic of Gehazi came up uh, during Bible study. I already had resolved myself that he desired the riches of Naaman, so he got the life of Naaman, so I spit that out. But that was as far as I was going. I don't like talking about this looser stuff, right? And then I I have a... I have a, a Bible bag that I used to carry that I haven't carried in a while, and I got it out this week, and I was I felt to get it out, and I was cleaning out the old trash and stuff out of it so that I could start fresh, you know. And um, when I was doing that, I pulled out a bottle of um, this—I forget what the name of it is—but it was I used to buy them a lot, sell them these little bottles of um, eye lubrication stuff because I had um, extremely dry eyes for a long time, and um, like. Painful. It was very, very painful. i had to, I'd wake up in the middle of the night to put drops in. I'd wake up in the morning and put drops in. Throughout the day I'd put these drops in, and I'm like, God, what is going on with my eyes? I never knew. I never really knew. It kind of came out of nowhere and left. Just one day I was like, I don't use drops anymore. It's crazy. Amen. Praise the Lord. That was the end of that story for me. Then I'm cleaning out this bag. I pull out this this, this eye drops, and I think to myself, Huh, it's funny. I don't need those anymore. And the Lord spoke to me pretty, pretty clearly. And he showed me that, take this for what it's worth. At the time I started needing those eye drops. I didn't make the connection at the time. But I was, um, I was hanging, uh, I was around somebody who was ungodly, categorically. I liked them as a person. Um, we had uh, some things in common. I did told myself what I tell myself my whole life. Yeah, I'll rub off on them. It'll be okay. Uh, But I didn't rub off on them at all over time. It just now eventually didn't work. Um, But I desired pieces of his life, like aspects of his life I thought were really cool. And I wanted that stuff to also manifest in my life. And and I I realized in this moment God showed me that that guy had had dry eyes for a decade. I know, it's a loose one. But that's what God showed me. And he showed me how, um, like, there's a, there's a, I've talked about it in, when, in the way back past, but there's a short list less than one handful of people who since I've been saved, I kind of grabbed a hold to, like, you know, I was like, oh, we, we're friends. We could be cool and we can live, you know, we can, I'll influence you, hopefully, over time and it'll be good. We'll call it evangelism in my heart, make myself feel better. But it, it really wasn't going that direction. And, and, and they tend to turn on me before I give up on them. It's a weird thing. I shouldn't be that close to them. I shouldn't have had that that level of connection with somebody who wasn't even trying to come to the Lord. And they will. They have. It's now three. There's been three people who in this category who they just eventually something gets in their head, and I'm like the worst thing that's ever existed on earth. And they start foaming at the mouth and vomiting on me, figuratively, not literally. And then that's the end of it. Now I'm not even going to tell you that the day that we broke up like that, I'm not going to tell you the eyes got better. But it wasn't long after that. It didn't come on the day it start that, that I started hanging out with that guy either. Took a little time. Next thing you know, I got dry eyes, and we used to talk about it, like how weird is that? Like, just that we used to lament over how much it was. It was not pleasant to live with eyes that can't blink, and, and it was weird. And then after we kind of parted ways over time, it just. Got better and better, and then I'm just—I haven't used it in years now. But I had this old, worn-out bottle in the bottom of a bag, right? It's a crazy concept, but I started to think, man, how far does that really go in every single area of our life? That's true. Yeah? yeah, money, diet, just life in general, right? Because here's the thing: it's like when I really, really stop and think about what Scripture says about it, which we're going to read some more Scripture here in just a minute, but what Scripture says about everything is Jesus came not to empower us to live the perverted American dream, the polluted, perverted, distorted American dream. He came so that we could be free in all things that's Him. And one of the truths that I've Uh, come to realize over the years is that god is a redeemer there are things in our life that have gotten way off and way perverted or polluted or distorted and he can fix them if it was him from the beginning if it was his desire from the beginning but you got off course in your pursuit of it he can redeem it there are things that were never his plan A big aspect of the American dream, I hope you're not there. If you are, I'll pray for you. But a big aspect of the American dream is to sink you so far in debt you could never see the light of day. Well, I have to tell you, but there's a scripture that says, don't do that. That's not the plan of God. Right? Lots of things. Now, I know the food topic is, that's a hot topic these days. People can be easily triggered, but the Old Testament is, to have a lot of instructions on what to eat and not to eat. Yeah? Now, we don't believe that it was... um, if that we live in a new covenant where we go to hell or heaven based on what we eat or don't eat, we're gonna read a scripture in just a minute here that says that doesn't matter like that. However, everything that God told them not to eat, science has proven, is actually just bad for you. So if you're wondering what to eat or not eat, there's a cheat sheet in the Bible. Yeah? That's true. Just food for thought. Now, I say that with great conviction while telling you I don't follow all them great. I do cheat on a few things, and I shouldn't, but I do. So I understand the struggle, right? Amen. All right. Jesus said. Um, Jesus said, when they were discussing uh, discussing with Pharisees in this particular passage about uh, you know what they can eat, not eat, and you know, all that stuff. Jesus said, uh, but the things that come out of the mouth of the heart. Um, excuse me. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these defile the person. And from the heart come evil plans, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and abusive speech. Jesus is warning people that, um, kind of to follow up that last statement pretty good, it's your salvation, your life, your soul, it's not about what you eat or don't eat. That's a body issue at best. That's at best a physical body issue. Your soul is defiled by what is in your heart and comes out of your mouth. It's not going to come out of your mouth till it's in your heart. It's probably not going to matter. Like um, God-fearing, wife-loving, I'm so focused on Jesus. I can, I just, I, the clouds are always beautiful and puffy and the words are always chirping. And I just I love my wife. I, that guy doesn't just accidentally fall into an adulterous relationship, right? No. First, you have to have desires for things you see around you that are not God, and then those desires plant seeds in your heart, then out of your mouth will start to produce uh, jokes, comments, things, just a little off color, and then next thing you know, boom, boom, boom. One thing after another, you've produced this, um, this life, it's gonna have lots of bad fruit. I don't care. Uh, you could be money. Maybe not the Maybe it's just money. Maybe you just. Uh, I, I. I. Maybe you grew up poor and you thought to yourself like the generation before us. A lot of them fell victim to this. Before me, I don't know about us. Me. <laughs> they grew up poor. They grew up hard, and they said, "You know what? I'm gonna break that cycle." And they give their whole lives to pursuing that one thing under the guise of the flag or the concept. That they will make it better. They will do better than those who went before them. To some degree they do. I can go. We can just keep producing this list. Of how you can produce things. I think the important thing to. To maybe start to recognize is that. We seem to produce whatever we desire. Yeah. If you deeply desire. To be a mountain man. And live in a log cabin that you built yourself. down by a river a long ways off of a road. So no one can see or bother you when you. Um, play in your own river, then you might get there one day if that's all you desire. Yeah? But if I... uh, That's where I live, by the way. My whole life, all I desired was to live in a little log cabin that I built with my own two hands down by a river where I could be left alone. That's all I ever desired. Now, uh, I never thought I would get there like I did. I never thought I would look like it does now that we're there. But it's also. Awesome. But here's the thing. I don't have leg houses and this, is and that, because you can't have all those things. You kind of have one desire. Do you want to be a super successful social media person? Guess what? The phone's never not going to be on you. You're never not going to be fake. You're never not going to be producing those videos and under that kind of pressure and stress. You want to be a high influence businessman? Guess what? You can do it. God appears to give us the desires of our heart, regardless of what they are, if we focus. Yeah? I think there's a piece of all of us that even desire people. Uh, we see people and maybe we're just accustomed to it because how we grew up, but we have people who are uh, kind of stressed out all the time and fuss and they gripe and complain and, and gossip and have what we just read off here, abusive speech. And somehow that becomes normal to us. And somehow that becomes like um, we maybe it's somebody who we respected, like a mother or a father or an uncle or a grandpa, somebody who we liked their life. And next thing you know, we have the downside of them. I've I've slowly been, you know, there's an old saying in the church world. They'd say, you know, e- eat the meat and spit out the bones, and it was a reference to like sometimes there was some not so great personal in. People that would go around preaching and teaching, and they might, they might have what seemed like knowledge or revelation of the Lord, but their lives were not so great. And sometimes that not-so-greatness would filter into their sermons, and that's how people make themselves feel, make themselves feel better about the mistakes they're making in life. Right? So they had to come up with a catchphrase, eat the meat and spit out the bones. You know, listen to the revelation, but don't look at their life. But I'm starting to think maybe we can't do that as good as we think. I'm starting to think that maybe we um, we see these things and whether we understand it, like it, believe it or not, it's a package deal. And I think we have to really start to safeguard our hearts against what we're desiring. It's hard. If you have any lust at all in your heart, society's not helping you these days with the dress code. Yeah. If you have struggles in your heart where you just absolutely, positively love processed um, sugar, society ain't help you none. It's literally in every piece of food you buy. If you have struggles for uh, money, that greed, inflation didn't help you none. You need lots of it no matter what you think. Yeah, it, Society's not helping us stay focused on the Lord, so we have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our hearts and march forward. Because I believe that these, as I said, I think we're getting more of a package deal than we believed. I think that the promises of God are good. And I think that Jesus knows that. uh, Okay, so am I saying that if you have anything at all wrong in your life, you don't have the life of Jesus? No, I believe there is a process. We discussed that the other day in Bible study. There's a process between the inception of um, Jesus referred to the born again, you know, analogy, this natural process. Well, just like everything on earth, there's an, an inception, the seed is planted. There's a growing, a maturation, you know, in the womb. Rachel's pregnant, she understands. And then one day, Lord willing, there's this birthing process where you're born again and it's just a little helpless baby and then one day it slowly grows and grows and grows and matures and becomes something that's grown and mature and can reproduce of itself again, it's just a beautiful cycle of life. But there's this process. So if you have something wrong in your life, don't hear me and think that I'm saying you ain't got Jesus. But just make sure you're in process and not stalled out. Because, as we've stated in the past, um, there's this huge scene typically categorized as the megachurch that they, can, they have these systematic approaches to how you can start and grow a megachurch in just a number of years if you will give all of your life to this process and sacrifice everything in the process. You can do it. It's a simple process. I've been to the training. I'm like, it's a bulletproof idea. It has to work. But... They get stuck in the wilderness. If you notice those megachurches, they're preaching to emotions all the time. They're always encouraging you to hang on. Just hang God's with you. We're with you. We understand. Nobody's ever getting better because nobody's told there's a higher standard. Nobody's told that we were called by God to partake in a death. One death. One true spiritual death where we truly die to ourselves in all areas of life. Death is once and final by the way you're not going to be arm wrestling that old man headlocking that old man to the day you die you're supposed to kill that that son of a gun once and for all and then Jesus said he would be faithful to resurrect anew with you and you get this life of these people that we read about these saints of God that have gone before us who who partook of that death and Jesus partook of that resurrection and it's like nothing could faze them that's what I want to desire that's the life I want to desire. I don't want pride to uh, hinder me from giving it all up. I don't want, I don't want pride to cost me these, even these moments where you know, somebody disrespects you or, or gives you bad service. God, you better get used to bad service these days because you're just going to get it everywhere. If you have troubles with that, stay home, okay? The devil is against you, right? Go to the self-checkout line and go home, right? Guard your hearts. Pursue the things of the Lord, because out of our heart, where we desire these things, we desire to be justified in the in this service industry, where they're not bringing us the the manings we asked for. Nah, they didn't put the lemons in my tea, and you know, we want to be justified. We want to be right. We want to tell those servants to be good to us. You know, that's not God. All these things that are warring against our soul are eating us alive. Right. We'll, we'll, um, we'll get, yeah, you get the idea, right? Proverbs 23, 1 through 3. There's more in this, um, in this cool little proverb if you'd like to go back and read it, but this is what I wanted to include. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you. Put a knife to your throat if you're a man given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive foods. You hear that? Let's read that. I'm going to read verse 1, 3, then 2. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you. Do not desire his delicacies. They are a deceptive food. So even go as far as put a knife to your throat if you think you're hungry. It's more dangerous than you think to sit down and eat at his table. He paid a higher price than you ever imagined to get there. I've seen a couple versions of fun little slogans lately that says, uh, if you're, people think you're lucky, there's just a lot of hard work they didn't see. Very true. I saw one yesterday, a guy had on a shirt that said, the more lucky you are, the harder you've worked. Or so I don't know. You get the idea. There's just deep desire and deep focus of working hard towards those desires that gets people to these places where they have this fruit that looks like they're lucky. You know? They're lucky. They got all that stuff and it cost them nothing. It cost everybody something to get anywhere. Right? And when we sit down at our at the table, and in this case, we made a big point about social media. When you sit down on the on the tablet, you start scrolling the feeds, cut your throat if you think you're hungry. Don't really cut your throat, just cut the tablet off. That's what I was trying to I thought you to pick that up. Yeah? When you look at um, businessmen and things and success and you see the limousines and the suits and the money and you think about, think about the fact that they probably have ulcers in their 20s. They probably have multiple marriages by the time they're 40. They probably have broken children all along the way. They have everything that comes with that, but nobody puts that on the front. Nobody wants that to be what you think about when they see you. Right? We create these facades, and we tell everybody to come eat at our table. Not we, you know, them we's. But here's the thing: is I believe that we've all been suckered into thinking that we could pick what we wanted and not take the bad. Ryan, you with me? All right. There are people behind you too. Does that sit with everybody? Now, that's a little heavy. It's a little hopeless. Because you might be thinking to yourself, how do we escape all of that? How do we escape everything he just said? That's literally everything around you all the time. Jesus said, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done. Let's read that in more context. That's that same verse in context. If you abide in him, Jesus, If you abide in the way, the truth, the life, the commandments, the the examples he set, the stories he told, the parables he put before you to chew on and ponder. If you abide in him and those words abide in you, abide is like live. If you live in him and those things live in you, then you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my desires, my disciples. Can you imagine living in a place where everything you asked for manifested? Can you imagine? There are people in history who would say they got there. And if you looked at what they asked for, it's mind-blowing. It's nothing we would ask for. It's all that people be healed, saved, fed, clothed. It's all the things that God said. I, there are history, uh, history, people in history who had 99% prayer, prayers answered. But they didn't pray for things that weren't of God. Right? Now, what do we do with that? We press in. We press in to get back to the basics. The basic foundation of who God is, what he was to us, through us, for us, around us, the life that he came to teach us to live, what it looked like. Jesus just wandered through a life where, guess what, I know we look back at them and think that was simple times. That was a complicated time. You, th- you think this country is under attack. They were literally under attack. They were oppressed by the Romans and just being treated awfully for a long, long time. Like long enough for everybody to lose hope. Famine was a real thing. Poverty was a real thing. Starvation was a real thing. Slavery was just flat out common. You couldn't feed your family. You go in debt. Debt meant slavery. Yeah, it was a tough time. And somehow they managed to just be at peace. That's the joy of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to get that bad and we better prepare ourselves. No, I'm not going to say that. I think God's got us in a trajectory and we're going the winning team. Yeah? I'm excited about that. I think in 2,000 years, we've gone from one woman who had nowhere better to be when Jesus resurrected to seven continents. And I'm excited about that. And nowhere in, in how I read Scripture and see the future do I see God losing control of this thing and us going backwards indefinitely i see us marching forward and forward and forward here's the question is are we going to abide in him and are we going to let his words abide in us because if we follow him then we don't do all the things that we know we're not supposed to do because we're abiding in his way and truth and life and if we let his words abide or live alive and well in us well then guess what he said you're a child of peace you get to be at peace. He said you'd have joy. You get to have joy. He said you'd be free from these struggles. Even if you have the struggle, you get to say, Nope, I'm with Jesus. I am no longer this struggle. I am no longer this this uh, sin, This this missing the mark of who I was made to be. I am no longer that because Jesus lives in me. And you get to stand on it or not. That's your choice. See the, the I the kind of the more I sat with when we desire things, it produces fruit out of our control. When I when I started to sit with that, I, I started to realize that the depths of how much God wants us to love Him in our own free will. I do believe that things um, that God is in control of things. But not the way some. Some think that God's perfect plan is for you to get cancer or, or whatever and brain injuries and not. That's God's perfect plan somehow in a weird world. No, that, that cannot be the perfect plan because that's not the end of this story. God's perfect plan is that we all come to know him and follow him and walk with Jesus and that we abide in him and his words in us and that we get every desire of our heart answered. Well, nobody desires those things. This scenario where we get to commune with him, I should have put it in there, but in the chapter before that, he says, Jesus is saying that he is in the Father. I am in him, and he is in me, Jesus said, and we are one. That sounded beautiful. The next line he says, and now we are in you, and the three of us are one. That's the desire of Jesus on this earth. That is the why he paid such a mighty price for us to have him in our hearts. It wasn't to be susceptible to what society was feeding us. It wasn't so that we could um, mistakenly think that we could eat at that table and be okay. He paid a mighty price for us to have a new lease on life. Yeah? Amen. Ezekiel prophesied this. Long time before Jesus came, long time before the new covenant was fully instituted and fully in motion, this prophecy began to emerge in this time. Jeremiah also said it, which is at the same time frame. Ezekiel says it a couple different ways. This is just one of my favorites. I will give in that day, he's kind of saying, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll stop there. If you have been given to eating these delicacies, these delicacies, if you have been given to longing for the things you see around you and wanting the life of what you see other people demonstrating, if you've been longing for their things and that's not what God has put in your heart, don't give up. Don't think that you, you're, you're, you're stained or, or uh, tainted or you, you can't be washed, cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It says Hebrews 9.14 is one of my favorite verses on earth. You should memorize it because I have. It says the blood of Jesus is even sufficient to cleanse your conscience of its dead works. We can start over at any time. But where did we start with all this? Desire of your heart. I'm hoping today that we start to desire to start over. If we need to. At a minimum desire to you know, do a multi-point checkup here, you know? I will give you a new heart and put in a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I give your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. This new heart this new spirit, this new thing that comes on us through the name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. It isn't a one and done. You're you're good to go. You're not going to hell no more. It's so that you have the grace to walk in the statutes and keep the commandments. Because, guess what? It's going to produce a fruit out of its control. It will produce a fruit just like everything else that's inverse to it produces a fruit. How many of you, before today's conversation anyway, let's pretend like you could forget what we've already talked about. How many of you, if I said, how many of you believe that if you keep God's commandments and follow His statutes and do whatever He says, that it will produce good fruit in your life? How many people would have said, I can believe, I can keep behind that. Josh, gave me one finger, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah? So the idea that the inverse would be true as well shouldn't be that far off. Yeah? I think uh, I think it's easier to believe that following God could produce fruit. I think it's harder to believe that doing the opposite would also produce a fruit out of our control. But I think it's very important. Yes. And I think it's very important to maybe realize that we don't necessarily get the blended bowl that we want of good and bad. I think that um, when we're in process, we will see we will see progress as we are going. But the thing about process is that it's also coupled with a lesson on patience and long suffering and forbearance, and it takes longer than we ever want it to take. So stalling out, losing focus, losing drive, losing losing purpose in your pursuit with God, it tends to be a common part of people's story, their history. I know that I, uh, since I came to the Lord, I've never walked away in sin. Never wanted to. I've never, ever wanted to look at, the, at darkness and sin and say, yeah, I want to go back. Not even a little bit. But I have stalled out before. I have gotten plateaued out at, church, at a church and, you know, just, just lost focus, lost purpose, just kind of plateaued out and just kind of put it in neutral. I thought I was hitting cruise control, but there is no cruise control. There's just neutral. You're just going nowhere. And next thing you know, life's not quite as easy as you remembered it once was. Here's the trick. God, please cleanse my conscience of these dead works. Please forgive me for any mistakes I took, any desires of my heart. I desired to be well-liked and be beloved and friends or rich or whatever it is. I desired these things over keeping your statutes. Forgive me, Lord. Erase these things from my life. Lord, just lead me, direct me. I will do whatever you say. I don't care if you make me clean toilets again for the next 10 years, just get me going. God. And guess what? He's so good. He doesn't torture you. He doesn't punish you. He puts you right back in the game, right where you kicked it in neutral and left off. Yeah. God is good. God is good and he will keep us up and life is not without its struggles for anybody. But the difference is that some people have peace and some people do not. And I have met some very powerful, rich people before who would probably give everything they ever had and then some just to taste the peace that they think they feel when we eat dinner together. Yeah? I don't think all that stuff's what we think it is for those of us who don't have it. Yeah? I think peace and joy is the most valuable thing we could ever have on this earth. And I think the greatest lie that was ever told the church was that we would one day have it on that other side. I don't think we're going to finish transforming this earth if we believe we're only set free from this struggle by the spirit of death that Jesus took the keys from. Amen? Yeah? So the next chapter after this, um, slightly unrelated to to this topic, but again, it's a vision of the Lord um, from Ezekiel. Where he's taken into a, a, it's a vision, it's not literal, it's vision. He's shown these dry bones laying in the valley. It was actually in the first song, it's kind of cool, the way God works that stuff out. These dry bones laying in the valley and he was told, God said, what do you think I want to do with these? And he said, you know, classic answer, you know what you're going to do with those God." And he's like, I want you to go speak life over these dry bones because then I'm going to, I'm going to um, breathe life on them. I'm going to put a spirit in them. I'm going to put flesh on them and sinews and bones. I'm going to put them all back together and make them alive and well again. And he goes and he says, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I know that seems a little random, but that's what I felt. To, to end all of this with, with a just to prophesy over each and every one of our lives that we let Jesus back onto our dry bones. There are areas of our life, whether we were aware of it or not, that are producing some bad fruit. We might not even be sure which one it is or where it is, and let's just say we don't want any of it. We want all of it to be dealt with. All of it has to be taken out and we want none of the fruit. God, forgive our hearts for ever even desiring is where we have to be because everything is going to produce fruit. If you don't understand how powerful you are as a human, look back and look at the things that you have ultimately desired and how quickly they actually came. There might have been a few ideas that you thought you desired, but I'm talking about like really, really desired it. And I don't care if you were falsely. Uh, I think some people were made for certain things. I think a lot of people were made by God to be preachers, let's just say, pastors. They're made by God to be pastors. And they know in their heart of hearts that God made them to do something for him. And they go out when they're like 20 years old and tell everybody they're a pastor and start working as hard as they can to get everybody to listen to them. And it's just not time. It gets a little ugly real fast. Yeah, they haven't waited for God. I think, I think people are called by God to be mighty businessmen in this earth for His kingdom. I think sometimes they forget why they're made that way and it begins to eat them alive. Now, Be cautious to think you're called to be the mighty businessman for the kingdom of God. God help you if he does grace you to be successful and you forget to do what you said you'd do with it. Yeah? I've seen seen a bunch of people. Man, I would go to church if I didn't work on Sunday, man. Well, I pray for you to be off on Sunday. Get off on Sunday and never see him again. Sounds harsh. Sounds judgmental. I'm not trying to be god will answer prayers and one day we'll answer for what we did with those answered prayers yeah so find your actual purpose in this life find the areas of your life that you desired something other than what god had for you ask god to cleanse your conscience of those dead works ask god to help start to reverse the fruit of that those decisions those desires you have to uproot the desire first and foremost And then begin to believe and don't give up stick with it stick with God reversing the fruits of those things the fruits of um, some of them some things have long-term ramifications there's no way around it you made contracts and deals and there's things that have to be followed through with but just pray to God that you're done with that saga when it's done yeah we we just come before you Lord And we ask you, Lord, if there is anything in us that has desired things not of you, Lord, that you reveal it to us. Not to condemn us for our um, twisted hearts, Lord Jesus, but to set us free from these things. We ask you, Lord, to reveal these things. We ask you, Lord, to... um God, I I feel like you're saying you're under no obligation to show the connected fruit. But if you will, show the connected fruit, Lord Jesus. Seeing the desire should be enough, and seeing the desire knowing it's not of you, Lord, that is enough for us to know that we have to get it right in our hearts. We'll find, we'll figure out what fruit it produced later. But right now, we just ask for a grace to seek you, a grace to know you, a grace to let you abide in our hearts as you said you would, Lord Jesus, and we want to live a life where all anything we ask Everything we desire and ask, You do. Lord Jesus, please get us to the place where we only desire the things, the prayers that You would answer. We thank You, Lord. And we just speak to the dry bones right now. We speak to the dry bones that have felt hopeless and depleted and dry and separated from You. And we speak that Your wind, Your Holy Spirit, Your breath blows across the dry areas of our life and that You put the flesh back on and the Spirit back in and the, and the living water in, Lord Jesus. We just speak life in these areas. We want to be children who live simply, singularly focused on You with one purpose, Lord Jesus, to know You and make You known on this earth with no desire for the delicacies of the, of the riches around us. We thank You, Lord. Thank you guys for listening. I, uh, I don't know why I thought that would be more upbeat in my head when I was preparing, but as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, there's literally no reason to be super excited about any of this, but please take it to the Lord. Please be real and honest with Him. Be real and honest with what got you to where the fruit is in your life. It is the only way. Being willing to take the beating Is the only way to overcome it. Amen. So here's to the strength and the courage to be real with Jesus. Amen. If you have uh, tithes and offerings, we put them in that box or we're found on tithely.com. We have food for people to stay in fellowship afterwards. Please feel free to do that. Um, Get your kids, wrangle them up, feed them up, have fun. Amen? If you need prayer for anything, please feel free to ask. If you need to meet privately for conversation or anything, please feel free to reach out. We schedule that with people throughout the week. Amen? Have a good week.